Hey, this is Lori from Hike, where we explore, wander, and live. In today's episode, you'll meet Allison Wright and Sarah Castle. They're longtime friends and adventure partners, and they founded the Cairn Project, which supports programs to expand outdoor and wilderness opportunities for preteen and teenage women. When I found out about their organization and what they were doing for young women, I was truly inspired. Take a listen. So today I'm here with Allison Wright and Sarah Castle of the Cairn Project. And I first, you know, welcome and thank you for joining me today. And um, Allison and Sarah, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit about um, your background? Sure. Um, hi, Lori. Thanks for the chance to chat with you. So I'm Allison. Um, I am a native of San Francisco, and I actually live there once again now after a lot of years away. Um, I, uh, let's see, went to the University of Colorado for undergrad. I'm sure we'll chat a little bit about that because that's where Sarah and I met. And um I've worked in the nonprofit sector for my career. I'm a lawyer by training and I focus on international environmental rights and human rights issues. Um, and other than that, I'm a pretty rabid hiker and uh, baseball fan. Okay, so I think I was reading you like the Giants, right? I do. Yes. I do. <laughs> Big fan. Uh, this is Sarah. I, I, also want to say thanks for having us on here on your podcast today. Um, so I grew up in Colorado. Um, I lived in Colorado most of my life, went to also went to college at CU Boulder. Um, I did a PhD in Montana, the University of Montana. And currently I live in Minnesota. Um, I'm uh, actually a researcher for the USDA, so I'm a scientist, and I study soil microbial ecology and soil biogeochemistry in agricultural systems, so how land use change influences soil health um, and how global change influences soil health. And I really love mountain biking, road biking, and I do a lot of baking of sourdough bread. Sourdough. So, okay. So tell me about the sourdough. Do you like have a certain starter you use? I mean, I hear these stories and mm -hmm. um, that's just interesting. So tell me about how that happens. Yeah. So my sourdough starter, I uh, actually started it like more than five years ago. Oh, wow. And yeah, and it's been, it's kind of, you can't think too much about it. It seems a little bit creepy, but, but yeah, it's been around for five years. Um, you just feed it on a regular basis and yeah, it makes this like really beautiful, crusty bread. Um, I bake with it like every couple of weeks. Uh, it sounds really yummy right now. Um, yeah. yeah, no. So mountain biking and baking. Yeah. That's a great combination. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like I was, you know, my next question, which you sort of both alluded to, is how you met. So you met in college. Yeah, this is Sarah. 
Um, Allison and I met in actually in 2004, so 15 years ago, as undergrad students at the University of Colorado Boulder. We were both transfer students to CU's environmental studies program, but we actually met kind of randomly during a contemporary English literature class. Um, it was a really small class with a unique class dynamic, and so Initially, we bonded over the experience of taking this class, but then also things like our mutual liking of Blundstone boots and strong coffee. And um, so surprisingly, even though we were both really outdoorsy individuals living in a city with pretty incredible outdoor access, our bonding over outdoor adventure actually came a lot later in our friendship. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, you both love the outdoors. You both do things with the outdoors. Um, so when did you kind of join that together and say, oh, this is like my adventure partner? Yeah, I think the short answer is when we stopped living in the same place. Um, we did, you know, we did a few outdoor things together over the years that we were both in Boulder. But then um, as Sarah said, she moved to Montana to do a PhD and I um, moved for my job and then later moved again to go to law school. And, um, you know, we had become really close friends. And so we were like, all right, well, we have to meet up and get together. And I don't know how intentionally this became just the thing, but it, it just came to be that it was always centered on hiking or camping or doing some other kind of you know, outdoor activity. And so, um, yeah, it evolved over time into a friendship that was really very deeply rooted in that. I think um, it's it's just been very fulfilling and it has taken us to some weird places. You know, we came up with a strange idea when you're like, we're going to go hiking in Tunisia, which didn't quite work out the way <laughs> we were anticipating. And so, you know, we've, we've scaled it back sometimes, gone to a little bit more traditional places as well, spent a lot of time in, in Montana and Washington and other parts of uh, the Intermountain West and the Pacific Northwest. So it's 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 been a lot of amazing experiences together as friends. Yeah, Tunisia sounds kind of wild, but that would definitely be a place, uh, amazing place to visit. So what brought you to... Um, I think it was coming into 2015 that you were looking at doing the John Muir Trail. So tell me, you know, just how that came to be. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, I guess when I think back, we were both in transition points. And Sarah, maybe you can remind me of when you finished your PhD. Was it in 2015? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so and I had graduated from law school the previous year. And, I, you know, I, th those are both sort of big closing of chapters and big starting of new chapters in some respects. And um, for whatever reason, I think we were both really drawn to the idea of a big goal. And um, kind of randomly on the phone one day, I actually have a very distinct visual memory of it because I was I was living in Mexico City and I was sitting in my little kitchen and Sarah says, you know, I really want to hike the John Muir Trail. And I was like, you do? Like, I want to do that. <laughs> and, you know, I had 
really no idea because neither of us had done a trip that long before. But so it just it just kind of popped into our head and just really grabbed us and we started researching and, and planning. How long is the John Muir Trail and usually how long does it take to do a through hike of it? It's uh, it's 221 miles and it has about 47,000 feet of elevation gain. Um, so it's good mountain experience for sure. Um, and I, in terms of how long people typically take, uh, that's a good question. I mean, there are certainly a lot of people who take a whole month and, uh, you know, that would be absolutely magical to be able to spend that much time in that landscape because it really is just humbling and spectacular and the, the mountains and the colors and everything. Um, but I would say the average is probably somewhere around, I don't know, maybe two to three weeks. What do you think, Sarah? Yeah, I would I would say the the same. Yeah, I think most people take a couple weeks or more to do it just because it's you know, it's so beautiful and it's really a treat to be able to, you know, spend that much time in the Sierra. So when you were deciding to do it, you know, I was reading, you know, when I was doing my research that something was sparked. You, you're doing your planning and you're going over maps and figuring out your entire route and how you're going to go about this. And you thought maybe something bigger is going to come out of this. So I guess tell me a little bit about how that happened. Yeah. So the fun thing about deciding to do a big through hike is then you get to plan meet up girls trips to train for said through hike. So <laughs> it became this excuse to plan some other hiking trips in the in the leading sort of 18 months up to the JMT. Um, and so, again, we were living in separate places. And so we sort of centered in on, on Utah in the in the spring, which is always lovely. Um, we were spending a week in Capitol Reef National Park. Um, plug for Capitol Reef National Park. It's absolutely amazing and I think really an overlooked park among Utah's many, many. Um, and so, yeah, we were, you know, just doing a lot of hiking and we had all of our gear and a list going and the different guidebooks that we bought and our maps and one morning... Um, I think I maybe jokingly was kind of like, maybe we should make this a walkathon for something. And it really was just a joke and uh, definitely could, could have been a, you know, a throwaway comment. But uh, for whatever reason, like it didn't quite land as a joke. <laughs> and there was just a lot of energy there, like almost immediately. And so, you know, we finished our coffee and we got going on our day and it's just like that idea just was like, yo, like, listen to me, this is real. And it just really kind of consumed us really surprisingly. And we ended up um, just turning it over and over and it's like, okay, well, great. We want to do something that gives back. What do we want to give back to? And we quickly stepped to, you know, we want to give back in some way to girls having opportunities to get outside. I think because we had now spent many years as friends, like really centered on outdoor adventure as something that was so fulfilling for us as friends and for each of us personally. And so 
that became, that got to be a point of clarity, but then we kept turning it over and it's like, is there one organization? We both knew people who were involved with different organizations. And so it quickly morphed into this thing of like, you know, there are so many awesome groups out there. Maybe we can somehow do something that supports a lot of different groups. So really vague idea. We spent about you know, the rest of that week, definitely mostly talking about that. I mean, I feel like we really literally didn't talk about anything else for the rest (laughs) of the trip. And, you know, it was another about, I think, 14 or 15 months of just developing a concept, developing a bit of an organizational business plan, continuing to think it through, eventually taking the big step of of building out a website and doing a whole branding process. And then um, in July of 2016, so yeah, like 14 or so months after that, that moment in Capitol Reef, we like did our public launch and the rest is history, I guess. As you're going through that, you know, all those months of getting everything prepared, where did you do the outreach, you know, to raise the initial funds? You know, did you use your networks or, um, you know, reach out bigger sponsors? Our initial launch and fundraiser, the support for that came from our family and friends, so our personal network. So it's really really because of of our networks and um, their excitement about this idea that really made those first grants possible. Yeah, we raised um, a little bit more than 22000 That first year, we made four or $5,000 grants um, with that money and then kept a little bit to move into the following year. So as you were looking at the initial output of those grants and getting, you know, kind of targeting, like you said, the, you know, towards young girls, towards teenage um, girls and and young women to have that opportunity. How did you find um, the partners to kind of connect with and make sure that um, you were funneling that to, to programs that support your mission? Yeah. So I think for, for me, this was fun because it was sort of a, it was a way to apply some of my professional skills in, in a bit more, you know, personal and creative way. So I, I direct grant making, um, in, in my, you know, quote unquote real career. Um, so thinking that through, there was a little bit of alignment for me from, in terms of what I've previously done, but essentially, you know, we, we do a lot of research and we developed a proposal process, um, you know, that give gives organizations the opportunity to outline, you know, what they're about, what their needs are, et cetera, et cetera. We've, we've placed a lot of emphasis on wanting to make sure that we can support, you know, startup groups and volunteer run organizations. So we, you know, worked on figuring out how to pass that money charitably, even if there's not, you know, a, a, a 501c3 um, that's, that's delivering the program to, to receive it. Um, and really, I think the big mandate is, is about flexibility and about, you know, meeting needs that are real for each group. Um, and so what that looks like really varies. You know, a couple of our partners are pretty professionalized organizations. They're, you know, leaders in the field. And in those cases, we might support scholarships or we might in this, this year we're supporting 
a new brand new spring break opportunity, you know, and and then in other cases, it's really much more nuts and bolts and just sort of like day to day needs. So an example of that, we last year for the first time, we made a grant to an organization um, here in the Bay Area where I live in Oakland. The group's called Brown Girl Surf. Um, they get young women from the East Bay out, you know, and learning how to surf down in Half Moon Bay, um, which is a beautiful area, but there are pretty significant uh, transportation kind of barriers to, to most young women getting to get out there, um, as well as some cultural barriers generally in, in surfing. And so the organization's really working on overcoming those barriers and making that a wider opportunity, which is super exciting. And I was like, you know, on the phone with them, it's like, this is so great. You know, what do you want to use your grant for? And they were like, you know, this is kind of weird, but we really need to to buy a few more wetsuits. We get a ton of wetsuits donated from companies, but they're usually men's size large or men's size extra large, which, you know, really isn't a super useful donation um, for a program that's trying to get middle school and high school girls out surfing. So I think our grant making and what we're trying to do, it, it runs the gamut, but it's really rooted in in the real needs of each group that we're partners with. Yeah, I mean, that's a good example of um, especially, you know, as you were describing, you know, these are, you know, girls that may have not had the opportunity um, ever to, you know, go surfing or, you know, any other way or, you know, the cultural uh, maybe limitations that you were mentioning. So when you look back, um, you know, over the last three years of providing these grants, um, you know, you have stories like the Brown Girl Surf, but are there any kind of special ones, and I'll, I guess I'll ask, you know, both of you this, um, one that's close to your heart, I guess, as you kind of looked out at the, at what you've done. Uh, it's really hard to choose just one because so many of them are really inspiring stories of, of girls getting outside. Um, but I can give you uh, maybe a, a more personal story. So one of our local partners is in um, the Twin Cities and um, it's a, a local chapter of the Little Bellas. So this is a national organization that gets more girls out on bike um, and does mentoring and skills development around mountain biking. And I actually, um, have in the past volunteered for this organization to be a mentor, um, taking girls out on the trails and getting them, um, you know, out on bikes, more comfortable on, on bikes. And, and it is really amazing to see over the course of the summer. This is a, a program that happens once a week over the summer months where girls get together, ride bikes for a couple hours, play games um, and the, the transformation in terms of the skills that girls develop or their confidence that they have, you know, when riding over like little bumps on the trails or, or down small drops on the trails is, is really amazing. Um, it's, it's something that I think the parents can really, um, really see in their uh, girls as, they participate in these programs. And so I think just the testimony from 
you know, parents or mentors um, involved in this program and then all of our other programs is, is really great that these uh, outdoor experiences are really making a difference for a lot of girls. I think one of the grants I'm most touched by is um, is our grant or the grant we made last year to an organization um, based in Colorado in the Front Range called Women's Wilderness. Um, so they run programs in Golden, Colorado, in Boulder, Colorado, where Sarah and I both live. So they were a bit of a household name for both of us. Um, but it, it's been really awesome to have the opportunity to learn a lot more in depth what what they really are about. Um, and our grant last year helped them start a, a brand new program in Denver metro area. So not up in Boulder, really for people in the city, which, um, you know, Denver is so proximate to so many amazing landscapes, and yet there are really significant economic and transportation and other barriers um, for folks from, you know, underserved communities to actually get outside. Um, so Women's Wilderness started an Adventures Days program. It was for kids, for girls entering third to fifth grade. Um, every participant received financial aid this time around. They really did a stellar job of, of doing outreach and making sure this opportunity um, was presented to girls who just typically don't don't get this type of an opportunity. Um, and they, they coordinated rides and other things to, again, make it really accessible. And, you know, hearing about the, the evolution of, of this camp over the course of the week, at the beginning, most girls had had never d really done anything outside. There were so many firsts. There was first times stepping in a river. There were, you know, first times learning about rocks. And so it was a lot of progression and growth over the course of the week that sounded really awesome. And then it's the last day, you know, this is a week long course. And unfortunately it's summer in Colorado and the weather's pretty variable and it's like pouring rain. And so the instructors are like, ah, okay, we had this big plan. We were going to do, you know, this big hike, but that's not going to work out. But they did, they mentioned it to the girls and they were like, you know, we were, we we're thinking of hiking, but it's raining really hard. And these kids are like, we want to hike in the rain. And they were like, are you serious? You know, it's a, they take this group, I don't know, a dozen third to fifth graders out and they hike all the way up, you know, some probably not huge, but nonetheless real hill in the rain. And I mean, for those of us who have the privilege of getting to spend so much time outside, we know that it's those moments where the weather is weird or, you know, it's harder. Like the terrain is the hardest you've ever done. That's what you remember. And that's what you you know, you you carry forward as a touchstone. So getting to provide some girls with their first hike in the rain is just really, really fulfilling. It really like touches me on a personal level for sure. Yeah, that's that's a great, great story. And as you know, you were telling it, I was thinking of, you know, the age group, the third to fifth graders. And, you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, outside was just where you went to play. There was a lot of outdoor time. Um, I didn't grow up at a time where you had um, the iPhones, the social media and all of that. But but these are girls that are going through that. And I guess tell me a little bit about thoughts on just trying to get that exposure of outdoors, um, like you said, building the confidence and so on um, to the younger generation. I think that it's um, I mean, I think that it's really 
more important than ever. I, I, I honestly cannot, I, I, I think I'm technically the oldest year you can be and be a millennial, <laughs> but I, um, I can't imagine what it's like to grow up in, in this sort of a social media technology landscape. Um, you know, I think that girls are just bombarded with so much messaging and so many expectations that are are overwhelming. And I mean, I think that that's true even within, you know, outdoor oriented media, media. personally, I think that there's a lot of, of progress to make in, in terms of making sure that that all women can really identify themselves as part of that community and can really see themselves outside. And, and seeing examples of that whether in person or you know online that's just a big piece of the puzzle but no i think that it's it's just even more crucial now than it was you know when i was a kid the opportunity to to really disconnect um to sort of be in a safer space and and kind of strip down some of the distractions that we all manage and 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 work with in in our daily lives i think particularly in you know, middle school and adolescent years, there's there's just a lot of pressure and there's a lot of, you know, frankly, nonsense that you have to deal with. And so it's just crucial that young women have the opportunity to, to take a break from that, you know, and spend time in a supportive environment, meaning with supportive people, you know, with a curriculum that's centered on mentorship and learning. And then also, you know, out in the landscape, we have so much to learn. From, from natural places. Absolutely, I totally agree with, with that thought. In the last uh, three years, you've definitely grown and now you also have a team, um, people that are working um, with the organization as well. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you've expanded and how others are now carrying on the mission. Yeah, so this past year, we have expanded our team to include ambassadors, and we have brought on these ambassadors as women who are interested in participating in our adventure fundraising model. So this is women that we're helping to transform their love of outdoor adventure into an opportunity that gives back um, to outdoor education programs for girls. Um, So last year we had um, nine ambassadors um, take off on their own, uh, interested in taking off on their own outdoor adventure that would help expand our grant making program. And we've had some really just phenomenal women join our team and they've all done really inspiring things, um, you know, from canoeing through Canada to um, backpacking and pack rafting in Alaska to bike packing 800 plus miles around uh, Colorado and Utah. And these are all um, adventures that that fundraised for the CARM project. And we actually right now have um, our ambassador 
application open, um, and we're accepting applications um, for 2019 ambassadors. Um, so you can, people can check our Instagram account and our website for opportunities to get involved. The applications are due on February 15th. Because when I was looking out there at some of your ambassadors and the things that they've been doing, what really struck me was the diversity. I mean, the women were doing all sorts of things and, um, and I loved that. I loved the, you know, there's the hiking, there's, like you said, there's rafting, there's biking, there's, you know, all kinds of different adventures. So it really felt personal in that sense that, you know, people can do so many different things and obviously for so many, you know, different reasons for the cause of what they're trying to fundraise for. So what are you looking in, you know, 2019 for um, some of your, you know, for the, your new ambassadors to to do? I think that I, I appreciate the comment about the diversity. And I, I think that that is a trend that will continue. You know, we um, with each application that we receive, we spend time, you know, on the phone and then over the course of the relationship, getting to know um, each of the ambassadors pretty well. And it's been really awesome to hear that. It, it, I think in each case, it's sort of this equal balance of definitely wanting to, to contribute to something that gives back and feeling really excited about that opportunity, but also, you know, wanting to set some kind of a goal. And so for some people that was, we had a couple of folks run a marathon or, Half marathon, one of our ambassadors, you know, has done a ton of outdoor stuff, but was suffering from some injuries. And so training for that half marathon was sort of a way to get back on the horse and, and, and push herself, you know, to, to move forward in her recovery process. You know, we've got, we've got an ambassador last year who did a bunch of a big climbing challenge that was really very self designed. And so it's, it's really about wanting to work together to, to just show how exciting all the different sorts of things that people can do outside are, you know, and, and partner in a way that, that really is rooted in, in people's interest in, and, and is something that's going to be fulfilling for them on a personal level, that they want some kind of external support, um, maybe a little bit of accountability, because I think we do all tend to really do things once we've told everyone we're doing them so that, you know, that public, campaign factor can really be a good motivator but but yeah i expect to see more diversity and hopefully you know i mean we had an ambassador last year who did a through hike in texas i i definitely had no idea that was something that happens like at all so that was awesome and i can't wait to like learn about a bunch more you know places routes mm -hmm. modes of moving that i've never really thought about i yeah. think on a personal level, I'm like, where's the stand-up paddleboard <laughs> adventure? <laughs> I got to tell you, when I was looking out at the website and seeing, I, I think that one, the Texas one, yeah, did strike me. I think it was called the Lone Star Trail, maybe. But yeah, um, but yeah it was inspiring, honestly, to look out and see these are all the different things that um, other women are doing. And, um, and again, uh, women of you know, coming from all backgrounds. And I think that's uh, one of the things that definitely to to highlight um, is, you know, whether, you know, 
whatever job you have, whatever you're, you know, coming from, you know, what city you live, we can all kind of connect on that level that we love the outdoors. So um, that was just something that I took away from looking at all of the things that your ambassadors are doing. As you look forward, both with the organization and on, you know, personal level, I guess first, you know, I'll ask you the personal question to both of you. So, you know, you have your girl's bucket list. So what's next? Early, early in the year is a fun time for the bucket list planning. So I'm working on planning um, a hike of the Trans-Catalina Trail, which is, um, it's a trail, uh, Catalina Island is about an hour ferry ride out from LA. Um, I didn't know that there's a 50 mile backpacking route on that island. I just learned about it recently, but it looks super beautiful and you know, you get to take a boat to get there, which is kind of cool. So um, that's something I'm working on cooking up for a little bit later in the spring. Yeah, and I guess the answer I'll give you for this one is um, something that we're really excited about. So in celebration of International Day of the Girl in October, um, this is October 11th, which is a Friday, uh, we're scheming a hike of California's Cactus to Clouds route. And this is a, a hike that starts in downtown Palm Springs and climbs 16 miles and 10,000 feet to the summit of uh, San Jacinto Peak. And so this is really exciting because it's a, a huge challenge, but it's also uh, a fundraiser event for the Karen project and it's going to be a group effort. So on the International Day of the Girl, we're inviting our community from across the country to join us in hiking on that day or, or the following weekend, um, hiking or adventuring to raise support to get more girls outside. Um, and so you can stay tuned for more information um, because we want everyone to join us um, in getting out that day. Oh, great. So definitely um, I'll put a link out, of course, to your website. So it's uh, karenproject.org where we can learn more. And, and for anyone who's listening who wants to start a fundraiser, can you tell us what that process is? Yeah, so we... Um, have built out this great process for women or, or individuals in general to transform their outdoor adventures into opportunities to give back through, um, building an adventure fundraiser. And so, um, the first step is to get in contact with us, um, for people interested in adventure fundraising for the Karen Project. Um, Allison and I, help you to plan and envision your adventure. We help set up and launch a crowdfunding campaign that you'll use to collect donations. We provide things like tools and resources and materials for you to ask your friends and family to support you in reaching your fundraising goal. And then we also do a lot of work in terms of blog posts, social media newsletters um, to to help you get the story out of your adventure and why you're choosing to fundraise for the Karen project. And so um, 
we do adventure fundraising through our ambassador program, which we mentioned before we're accepting applications for right now. But anyone who's running a race or interested in doing an outdoor adventure um, should definitely get in touch with us um, through our website or through any of our social media channels. You can send us a direct message. And one other thing that we offer as we help people envision and build out their adventure fundraiser is we do um, help to get some discounts on gear if, if that's something that's needed. So we've helped to get, you know, what do we, what do we have, Sarah? Backpacks, different sorts of gear. If, if that's an obstacle, we've developed relationships with a series of great expedition sponsors who in some cases can step in and, and provide that type of support. Um, yeah, that's an, uh, a great point. We can definitely work on um, helping with, with discounts or, or donations of, of gear as well, because we feel like these outdoor adventures should be accessible for you know, for everyone. And so as much as we can, we'll definitely work with our growing list of um, awesome companies that are supporting these expeditions. And even if you don't want to start your own fundraiser, you can donate to one of the existing ones and help support the ambassadors and others who are are going on these adventures. So um, just wanted to point out that as well is, you know, some people may want to just um, help support the, the mission. I definitely feel like this is such a great mission that you both have and that you've organized. And you don't, I, I don't think we hear enough about these types of things. And I'm just very impressed by what you're doing and, and inspired as well. And I know my listeners will be. So I thank you. Thank you for coming on. You know, thank you, Allison and Sarah, for, you know, sharing your story, sharing about, you know, what has inspired you and how through that you've provided so many opportunities to young women who are, are going to have that experience with them, you know, for the rest of their lives. Thanks so much, Lori. We're really yeah, grateful so for much. the opportunity to to share some of what we're working on with you. And we're inspired yeah. by, I, I'm, I'm subscribed to your podcast. I'm inspired by what you're, you're doing and I can't wait for the next installment of the magazine. Oh, thank you so much. Um, thank yes. you. Agreed. Thank you. And for our listeners, you can go out to karenproject.org. And of course, in my podcast notes, I'll put a link to um, the social media accounts where you can learn more about getting involved and supporting this cause. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Hike. Please check out the podcast notes, connect with me, look up karenproject.org, and let me know what you want to hear next. See you on the trail. Thank you.